Welcome into Fantasy Focus Football. It is Tuesday, November 15th. Today's show is presented by Geico. Switch to Geico and see all the ways that you can save. Daniel, Stefania, and Field here hanging out. And we were just talking about people that we love with our whole heart. I love both of you with my whole heart. I want yeah. you guys to know that. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. And it's very sweet of you, Daniel. But I was talking about how I love Terry McLaurin with my whole heart, mostly because he got me over 20 fantasy points last night. I now feel like a very, I don't know, like you are such a sensitive, thoughtful, caring, emotional guy. I feel like a machine right now. I like guys that get me fantasy <laughs> get points. Get me fantasy you points. You like people that mean something to you every single day. You guys both had a lot invested in last night's game. We did. We yeah. did. I needed quite a bit out of AJ Brown. We're going to talk about this. A little bit later on in the show, a lot to be able to get to today. We have got a Monday Night Football recap. We have injury updates. We have waivers. We're going to talk about some backfield shakeups. Yeah. Our good friend Eric Moody's joining us. But first, let's jump in. And I hate to do this. Stefania Bell. Ugh, I know. Why do I always get, and I know you guys sign. I know. It's like, well, hey, you know what? You signed up for the injury I, analyst yeah. life. Like, the, typically when we're asking about like, an injury, it's not yeah. like, hey, good yeah, news. Cooper Cup tore his ACL. He'll yeah. be back tomorrow. Right? Like, that's. Not that didn't happen, by the way. If, okay, any, if anybody thinks that that's what it was, not. Sorry. But My it bad. Was, yeah, no. But it wasn't good. Wasn't good. Wasn't good. What do fantasy managers need to know? Are we going to be without him this week? Are we going to be without him multiple weeks? Do we know anything? That's three questions in one. Not great interviewing skills, oh, okay. Daniel. Yeah. But uh, the bottom line is Cooper Cup ankle. Say, he's <laughs> so know. pissed at you right so now. <laughs> That's such an inside, inside joke. Inside yeah, inside very, joke. very good inside ESPN <laughs> joke. Yeah, start over with this because I can't be laughing when I talk about it. Sorry. <laughs> Scene. Uh, Cooper Cup had an ankle injury, and you saw it. He went up to make a catch, uh, and when he landed, he got rolled on. And the mechanism of the injury, you saw if you if you saw it, his leg was folding in, his foot was turning out. Classic mechanism for high ankle sprain. And they sounded very concerned afterwards, not prepared to say exactly what's going on, getting a, a lot of evaluation done. But I think it's fair to say that it's going to be a multi-week injury. Adam Schefter said, according to a source familiar with the prognosis, that it didn't sound good. So the bottom line is uh, it, it's it's likely to be more than one week, and, yeah. and we're just going to stay tuned and see what happens. Only a couple things to add here. Obviously, Stefania would know much more about the nature of the injury, and we have a bit of clarity there. But this is a caveat that I think it's worth remembering for the rest of the season. It's week 11. The Rams are 3-6. and six. That's tied for the worst record ever by a Super Bowl defending champion through nine weeks or through nine games, I should say. If this thing spirals, and by the time the Cooper Cup is fit to come back to the playing field, and I'm just, again, I don't know the exact, the exact timeline. If they're 3-10 and because they lose four more games in a row when Cooper Cup is out, you ask yourself this question if you're Los Angeles. Are we bringing a guy back maybe a week sooner than, or a couple weeks sooner than needs to be, or are we taking the bigger picture approach? We do see teams make business decisions. I'm not suggesting that Cooper Cup is definitely out for the season, but just a reminder that... A little bit different when you're in the playoff hunt and you might be, you might have a chance to defend your title. A guy might be more motivated to push through some pain late in the season. If they're down and out, maybe they say, we're going to protect you from yourself. Well, the other thing is, this is the same guy who had an earlier scare with the same ankle because he was playing at the very end of a fourth quarter uh, 
it wasn't a blowout, but they were clearly losing to the 49ers. Oh, and yeah. he ended up <clears throat> staying in the game, and Sean McVay questioned the decision, questioned his own decision-making. Yep. So I, I think Field has a good point there. We're going to see this a lot more as season goes on where people are evaluating, do you really want to bring a guy back uh, late in the year? Sometimes the answer is yes, they do, because you want the player to get back on the field. Like we talked about Derrick Henry last year, even though he came back in that one playoff game, it lets them know going into the following year that they're good. They can yeah. get back on the field. There's a reason for doing it. Cooper Cup is also a player who wants to do whatever he can to help the team. So I think it's probably still up in the air, but it's worth considering. Yeah, I mean, nice. if he's 100%, I expect him back. But And I, I don't know this, but if this is a, let's just call it a, a, an injury that could be a four to eight week timetable. Yeah, then and you're week running seven, out of you're time like, anyway. what are we doing yeah. here, right? If, if, if yeah. week seven, he's 85%, but there's still some risk to him getting hurt. Obviously, you might have to. You'd have to be smart, but this one stinks for a lot of reasons. Every player that gets injured is a big bummer in all the sports, fantasy sports. Obviously, we have a job, which is to analyze both: is there a player on that guy's team who can step up and replace his production, and if not, are there other answers that you can seek? And here's the reality with Cooper Cup: no, because we're talking about the best player in fantasy football, the face of fantasy football since the start of last season. I know everybody knows the numbers, but just consider this 25.9 fantasy points, 25.7 fantasy points per game last year for Cooper cup, nearly 2000 receiving yards, led the NFL in receiving touchdowns, led the NFL in receptions last year prior to this past week when everything went wrong for the Rams, because John Walford started in plays of an injured Matthew Stafford. He was pacing for even more catches than last season, over 1700 receiving yards, 13.25 touchdowns. That's Cooper crazy. Cup was supposed to regress, That's and then he didn't. <laughs> right. This sucks. He's he's one of the few. We, I've talked about him being one of the few players who comes back from an ACL injury and basically puts up duplicate numbers. Nobody does that in their first year back. He's just a different totally. dude. Yep. We're going to talk with our friend Eric Moody a little bit later in the show as far as uh, some waiver options in case you need to pick somebody there's else no up. What? There is no replacement. For but like Cooper Field Cup. just said, there's no <laughs> replacement for Cooper Cup. But it's just like there's another body to fill a roster, roster spot. Right. right. Got it. But I think what it introduces us to, Daniel, as we get into the next topic, is that you're not going to have a Cooper Cup replacement on your roster. But there is a little bit better depth at wide receiver this year than there is at running back, which is almost always the case. And so somebody who has Cooper Cup is now going to be turning to other options that are further down the radar or yeah. further down the roster depth chart. And that's what leads us into a guy like Allen Robinson, who I don't know, is your what's your confidence, Daniel, that Allen Robinson can be a better player because he's going to be the Rams number one wide receiver until Cooper Cup returns. I I so <clears throat> confidence level is low. OK. OK. But that doesn't mean that someone here doesn't have to be the guy. And if Matthew Stafford is under center mm -hmm. with Allen Robinson, I feel a lot better about those prospects than if it's not Matthew Stafford totally under center. Agree. So yeah. I think Allen Robinson would at least be worth a speculative ad if I had that bottom of the roster spot that I'm just churning out. I don't think there's anything wrong with adding him. However, I'm not sure Allen Robinson would be my first. He's the first guy off of the Rams I would look at, but I'm not sure he's the first guy off of like all of the NFL that I think is, you know, my flex spot that I would want to put in for him. And I think what we're going to find is that the there may be a waiver wire option that you go and try to not replace Cooper Cup. I want to ditch that word. We don't replace Cooper no. Cup. Right. You put in in the spot <laughs> that Cooper Cup was previously <laughs> occupying, right? And you get like maybe, maybe if you're lucky, half, half of the production, <laughs> literally half. But yeah. There, I think there are going to be guys so who are going to be asked to punch above their weight right now going forward. Robinson, you mentioned, Daniel, like the good news, if you're looking for good news for Allen Robinson, is that he's played over 90% of the snaps this year. So he's mm -hmm. on the field a lot. Like if you look at other players, Van Jefferson, Ben Skoranek, 
they're definitely going to have to do more. We don't know how the Rams will deploy them until we actually see it. Allen Robinson is going to be on the field because he has been on the field. So first of all, like being on the field a lot is a good Mm -hmm. first step. He has been heavily targeted in the end zone this year and in the red zone because the Rams either are intent on justifying this signing or because he's a big bodied receiver who can be useful on goal line fades for those who are uh, that if that's their, your cup of tea. Yeah, if that's your thing. And, you know, like as far as evaluating him versus Van Jefferson versus Ben Skarmonic, I get it. It's been a different year for Allen Robinson. He's no longer the player that he was at his apex. But still, Ben Skarmonic. This is like what an undrafted kid at Notre Dame a year and a half ago. Who's like such a great role player for them. Van Jefferson coming off of an injury speed demon. Like I think if I had to trust one the most, it would be Allen Robinson, but it's still like You're a low end wide receiver. Three and and maybe Tyler Higby. I was just going to say no. that. Yeah. How have things changed over the last three weeks that if this, if, if he got hurt three weeks ago, you would have said, well, obviously Tyler Higby's the guy with the amount of volume that he was I, getting. I that's just changed. think that's going to go back to him a little bit. It did get better last week, yeah, too. Yeah. It did get better. Did get and, better. And I don't know if that's because of, you know, that the cup injury happened late as right. well. So yeah. it may not be only because of the cup injury. But I, but think it only, I think it will boost it. There's a confidence yeah. there. You can also not start a Rams running back, by the way. <laughs> that's just okay. For, yeah, that's you don't need up. to do that. Yeah. If you were even, uh, yeah. Let's talk weren't. about another tight end here. I know we were talking about Tyler Higby and Zach Ertz, who coming into this, we actually still might be. He was tight end three on I the season. I love Zach Ertz uh, coming into the season. He, he was, was one of my sleeper tight ends. I thought he was being underrated. Clearly had developed a rapport with Kyler Murray. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, people were talking about Trey McBride, and I thought Zach Ertz was solid last year. He's going to hold on to this as long as he's not injured. And he's been really good to start the season. Unfortunately, left with a, a knee injury, his left knee, I, I watched it on replay. It's very subtle. It's hard to see, but he clearly went down. He had to be carted to the locker room eventually, even after he walked off the field. And uh, now getting multiple opinions, it's not clear, but he's out indefinitely. So maybe mm-hmm. now Trey McBride, is the one who steps up. Yeah, I mean, uh, intriguing you, guy. When you yeah. look at this, right? Trey McBride Talented. was was a high a high drafted, highly drafted or highly thought of draft pick, one of the first tight ends, one of the or the first tight end off the board this uh, year. Uh, I, I think he was the let's see, let's see if uh, I can think of anybody else. No first round tight ends. He was 55th sure overall, so I think he was yeah. the first yeah, one. Yeah, so the number one tight end off the board replacing what is yeah. tight end 3 in fantasy. I'm not no one is suggesting that he's going to jump right in and be a top 3 tight end. Yeah. But feel do you think that this role within this offense could give Trey McBride some legitimate value because he's tight end with how bad that position is. You could easily add somebody. I'm Trey McBride is not rostered in a lot of leagues right now. Yeah. So a couple of reasons why I feel like he can is first of all, uh, yesterday, Cliff Kingsbury said that Marquise Brown, not quite there yet. The latest he would be back is after the team's buy. And for a second, I was like, Oh, are they going to buy this week? No, their buy doesn't come until like December 5th. So so uh, we're still talking about a month. That's the latest. So he could be back in a month, but is it actually December 5th? I thought it was a joke. Is that the week? Is that when we, that's their bye week. Yeah. Yeah. Their bye week is uh, December 4th or 5th, whatever the Sunday is of that weekend. That's the following week, which is when Cliff said the latest he'll be back, but we're still talking about four weeks from now. Right. So we still have potentially a while. So there's no Hollywood Brown. Uh, up until last week, we've talked about this a stat a few times. They are one of the league leaders in terms of snaps played without a lead. So they're throwing the ball a lot. And McBride, just to add a little bit of context here, we think he was the first tight end drafted. Pretty sure he was. I can tell you he was the best tight end in college football last year. Yeah. He won the, Mc, uh, excuse me, I was going to say the McBride trophy. His name is Trey McBride. He won the <laughs> Mackey Award, uh, which is given every year to the top tight end in the country. He had 90 catches at Colorado State. I remember after the draft, we get asked, like, what was the most confusing pick? And my answer was Trey McBride because they had just resigned a really good player in mm-hmm. Zach Ertz to a three-year deal. 
for the first 10 weeks, I was like, yeah, it was surprising, right? Now they're going to need him. So that yeah. pick obviously has a lot more value right now. They still uh, have Max Williams, I think, too, who has, if you recall, had a terrible... Is Max back now or is he on the he practice actually, squad? He he came back and played. Okay. I know he played. He had he had a multi-ligament knee injury. That was yeah. a big deal because he actually looked really good last year, too. And then he was out, came back briefly. I don't know if he's been say, relegated he... to the practice squad. He did play in a couple of games this year, but he's not a threat. Trey McBride is clearly... Yeah. The one who's going to take over that role. Max confirmed to still be there. Okay. Okay. There we go. So was, On the practice squad. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Still so around. Yep. Yes. Still yeah. around. So still but around. I think the, when you're talking about year. them drafting Trey McBride, there was a lot of uncertainty about yep. what Max Williams could do. Zach Ertz was coming off an injury. So <clears> the <throat> depth at the tight end, I understand it. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, I think he's a kid to really look at. Second half of the season, if you've been if you've been doing that streaming tight end, I think you could do worse options than giving a shot to see yeah, what Trey McBride can do for you. Interesting dynasty stash as well. Oh, yeah, I really do like that. Who has him in our dynasty league? Field? Oh, I do. Oh, you do. Oh, <laughs> oh okay. Sorry. All right. Wait, I, I literally have no yeah, big deal. Yeah, Stefania, let's talk. I have about- Kyle Pitts. Oh, yeah. you want to trade? <laughs> yeah, I think I might get more targets this yeah. week. Yeah. <laughs> No. <laughs> All right, let's no. talk a couple more. Unfortunately, we watched Jerry Judy go down on Sunday with an injury. What's the latest that we have on Jerry Judy? Yeah, if you, if you saw it, it was very strange. I mean, the camera kind of got away from it. If you're watching the game, he was injured on the very first play from scrimmage. He ran a route, and he just went to the ground. Yeah. So it was like the, he, he was going, and then he couldn't. It looked like when he planted, something happened with his ankle. And it sounded like they thought it was serious initially, but fortunately— it ended up not being as significant. Now, they haven't gone into detail about the nature of it, but Nathaniel Hackett referred to it as a, quote, minor ankle injury. By the way, it's always minor. Always. Unless it's you. Yeah, <laughs> you know? right. It's like minor surgery. It's no big deal. Um, but there's there's a chance that it w- it's not going to be as big of a deal as it appeared. He couldn't put weight on it initially. And uh, now maybe not as significant. We don't know what that means. Stay okay. tuned for practice reports. We'll see how practice reports come in over the rest of the week. Stefania, let's also talk Leonard Fournette, mm-hmm. who... Uh, also got banged up on Sunday, and we watched Rashad White be able to have a huge workload as a part of this. It was really interesting. Rashad White technically got the start there. Yes, he did. Leonard Fournette gets in the end zone, but ends up with a hip pointer. For those of you who aren't familiar, it's basically a deep bruise to the hip, like right on the pelvis. Usually it gets caused by guys who land hard on it. We didn't see the injury happen, but apparently it happened right around the time he threw that awesome pass to Tom Brady, because that was the last play that he made Came up. I don't know if you could hurt. Like, did he fall to the ground or was it just Brady that fell to the ground? That's a great question. I'm not really sure. But he, anyway, he left oh, with I, a hit pointer. I think it was Mike Clay who fell to the ground in fantasy <laughs> no. football now watching <laughs> no, the play. Thinking, what on earth? You know, I, I am a big, big believer that like deference <laughs> is a very important part of our job. Like these coaches know so much more than we do and they have so much more available information to make the decisions that they do. Sometimes we get a little bit sort of takey. That is not an instance where I was too concerned about whether or not Byron Leftwich, like Tom Brady, the most prolific player in the history of the NFL, have him throw the football, especially when you're up 14 to three driving and have a chance to put your Hold foot on, on the throat of the box. Hold on. Wait, wait, just, so, just for the purposes of Leonard Fournette's injury, okay, okay. the Bucks have a bye okay. in week 11. And according to Adam Schefter, they think this is not something that's going to keep him out, cause him to miss games, could be back by week 12, which, you know, typically with these, they, they can get back fairly quickly. It depends on the bruising and how mm-hmm. quickly it resolves. And as long as okay. he can run, 
run. But that's good. I think what we need to pay attention to is when he comes back, what's his role? Like, is it Rashad White? Because he ran really well. Yeah. 20 carries, 105 yards on yeah. Sunday. Yeah, I want from Moody later on that. I want to say this. I think that everybody's underestimating how much of that play was Tom Brady's decision. There's no way that Tom Brady's running that play unless Tom Brady says to the coach, yeah, I'm good with doing this. He's not Ooh, just going to go man. out there. Like, I, I wonder if that was a Tom Brady call and we're all run. just... Like, how would you which is go? part of the sneakiness of it, right? That's why it's so good. <laughs> so sneaky that it was awful. Yeah, it was you see Brady's work. tweet about it after the foul? No, I didn't. What did he say? <laughs> Brady quote tweeted the video that had been shared. <laughs> And he made some sort of a remark like, if that ball is thrown a little bit further, I'm like Randy Moss going over the top for six. Stop. That's so funny. At least he Doesn't it pain you how good Tom Brady is at social media? He's perfect at everything in life, including social media. Been on Twitter for 10 minutes and he's already like the most followed athlete of all time. Other than like every soccer player. I know, I know, I know. Um, all right, anyway, Stefania, we got one more. Who's going to be we? under center for the Carolina oh, Panthers yeah. this week? It's going to be Baker Mayfield with Sam Darnold backing him up because P.J. Walker has a high ankle sprain, and uh, they've already announced that he will not be playing. It will be Baker Mayfield who, once again, Baker Mayfield, do not headbutt players with no helmet on. Mm. Stupid. So assuming he has no lingering effects from that, it'll be Baker Mayfield. As far as the fantasy uh, purposes or the fantasy impacts are concerned, time now for our Monday Night Football recap. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) No, more more seriously, like we did see, like it was a little better um, as we literally get into our Monday Night Football recap. Just (laughs) for 10 seconds. It got a little bit better for DJ Moore with PJ Walker. But not. It's not like DJ Moore has become this player that is the player that we have grown accustomed to over the past three years. It's more just obviously... um, like tough year for DJ Moore. He, he is, he's in that, that weird space yeah. where you start him because you kind of have to, but you know that it's, it's not Mike Williams, right? Where he's like, he's 25 points or five points. Uh, it's, it's like mostly five points. Yeah. It's, he, he remind, it's, it's, it's sort of like a discount version of Mari Cooper, yeah. right? You're going to have a couple duds with some solid games mixed in between. Yep. And, and, and I don't think the quarterback really makes a difference, yeah. for him, which is sort of the point. All right. Let's talk about this Monday night football game. Where the Commanders brought home a W, thirty-three to twenty-one. This game was actually better awful. than I. This game was awful. If you needed Jalen Hurts, this game was awful. Everything else about it was really fun. Apparently, Field and Stefania tell me all I was watching was just from the fact that I know Jaylen I was Hurts, not Jalen Hurts. I needed AJ Brown. I was, sorry, <laughs> I needed AJ Brown all night long. Yeah, I was like, like he came. He was like the game was terrible, yeah. huh? We were like, like what? I, really? I was like, you're not Matthew. I, I, wait, no, wait, you're not Mike Clay. Mike like, Clay, why yeah. are you talking about Eagles that? Fans, yeah, I I needed AJ yeah. Brown and AJ Brown. Check on Mike Clay. Unfortunately, wellness check on Mike Clay. Only one point seven fantasy points for AJ Brown, Stefania, but that's in part because he got he got banged up. In the middle of this one. Yeah, and if you were watching when he ran that route, he he didn't finish it. It was like when he when he made the break. Yeah. He something happened and he kind of pulled up and he, he just went to the edge. And then you saw him kind of hopping towards the sideline later. He ended up coming back in the game after being on the sideline for a bit. So he was able to finish it out. We'll stay tuned and see whatever they talk about this week for him. But I wouldn't be surprised to see him end up listed on the injury report with something because he wasn't right the rest of the game. He stayed in and yeah. played, yeah. but he really was kind of a shell of of what we normally see from A.J. Brown. It looked like a hamstring injury when it first happened because he kind of like pulled up right into the sidelines. Uh, there was an ankle, obviously. Um, they've had a couple, obviously they've had a couple of season-ending injuries, but within the week, 
like during the week, the Eagles have been remarkably healthy as far as like guys that are on the 53 man roster being available week of. So a bummer for AJ Brown will monitor it. If something happens for AJ Brown, he's unavailable next week. I just think that it means you have more confidence in Devonte Smith. Yeah. Who did last night have six mm-hmm. catches for 48, 39 yards, excuse me. And the touchdown. And if you're sitting there thinking to yourself, no, he had 53 yards because I checked the box score late in the game. Very last play of the game. Yes, Devontae Smith was the player who last touched the ball for the Eagles on their Hail Mary attempt to try to lateral their way to a touchdown. As a result of that, Devontae Smith lost 14 receiving yards and a fumble, minus, meaning minus 3.4 fantasy points. Ugh. You know, we're having, I was actually talking about this with, with, with Keith before the show, is that we probably pay a bit too much attention to these moments because they're the last moment of the week. Right. The reality is mm-hmm. there's hundreds of plays where like, a guy tiptoes, like he looks like he has a 30-yard gain, but then it's called back because he actually stepped out seven yards down the field and he's you know, robbed of 23 yards or a Dude, guy gets tackled at the one-inch line or whatever it is. All the Bills and Vikings yeah. games yes. after <laughs> Gabe Davis shouldn't have happened. All right, yes. of those stats. The, right. the Gabe Davis play and everything else. Like, oh, Totally right, Daniel. So um, we're going to magnify it a bit more than we probably should. But I am sorry for those of you out there that had that game won and then you lost your matchup because Devontae Smith minus 3.4 points on the very last play. I was playing Adam Schefter in the War Room League and he had Devontae Smith. I know. So I was watching that very carefully because he actually did. Once Devontae Smith's getting more involved, I'm like, uh oh. Yeah, you don't want that comeback, right? That's tough. That's tough. Jalen Hurts still did Jalen Hurts type things. Aaron Dolan, I want to say this. Aaron Dolan gave out under 41 rushing yards for uh, Jalen Hurts last night on tailgate because it's been five out of six. And Jalen Hurts, again, under 40 rushing yards. He's been using his legs to get in the end zone, but he hasn't been rushing for a ton of rushing yards. But here's the beautiful part, Daniel. Doesn't he do? Once again, he has what I think by those who are evaluating the game from a real football standpoint would say, okay, nothing special. 21.5 fantasy points. It's awesome. Like Tom Brady had what may be his best game of the year on Sunday and got you like 17, 17 fantasy points. Yeah. Right. And I, I'm not, I'm, it's not trying to be personal. Right. But just an example that running quarterbacks add so much value that it's just absolutely indescribable. The, 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 the upside they present when they are functional passers. And obviously Jalen hurts is a gifted passer with really good players around him. So not a great game, but there's, there's nothing to complain about. Jalen hurts plays. About. You are going to feel really good about him with a chance at being quarterback one in games in which Justin Fields is not available. You also feel really good about Dallas Goddard in spite of the fumble that happened on this yeah. one. Like Dallas and that Goddard was, is great. Yeah. And that was just a, a yeah. weird, he doesn't normally fumble. Nope. You're not worried about that. Yeah. A little bit of declining value though, for miles Sanders of late. And there's only, there's one thing that matters. He hasn't caught a pass his past three games. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But that part's weird. Like he's been the clear back. Um, You know, touchdowns are going to be difficult to come by because they do have other backs and because they have Jalen Hurts as a runner, but he has given you some in the touchdown department, but back to back to back games with zero catches for miles Sanders. So don't know if there's a reason to that, but um, again, it's not like there've been a bunch of standout running backs outside of the top 10 or so, but you know, miles Sanders is a tricky player of late. Um, Kind of needs a touchdown to pay off right now. Yeah, a couple other tricky players of late. What do you do with Antonio Gibson and Brian Robinson field? Because they're both getting a ton of usage here. We talked about how this was going to be a committee. I thought that I would likely stay away from this more than embrace it. But 26 carries for Brian Robinson and 17 touches for Antonio Gibson this Almost identical fantasy points. 14.8, 14.6. Crazy. And they both look good, I thought. First of all. Absolutely remarkable coaching job by the Washington Commanders last night. I thought it was one of the best performances by a coaching staff and a team all year. It was shockingly good because it looked like a different team, quite honestly. And just 
on the field stuff, remarkable. Against the backdrop of a clown show right. organization at the top, incredible. The ability to compartmentalize deserves all the praise that I think it's going to get today. Yep. As far as fantasy goes, I know they ended up with identical stat lines or close to it in terms of fantasy points, but Antonio Gibson, t- to me, still looks like the clear one that you need to be prioritizing uh, or that should be ranked higher week in and week out. And here's the reason why. Brian Robinson had 26 carries. And by the incredible story, touchdown run at the end of the half was just a heads-up, smart, tough run. But he needs that touchdown to pay off. He doesn't get that one, 26 carries for 86 he's yards. He's not going to catch Zero passes. targets, yeah. yeah he's and not going to catch passes. Antonio Gibson, by the way, again, three catches. So he got the touchdown in the second half as well. That's useful. That helps his day look better. But still, even if you take away that touchdown, like three catches, 14 yards, like if he's going to get you five to eight fantasy points per week as a receiver... Whatever he gives you as a runner is almost gravy. Uh, J.D. McKissick has been out. Yes. So mm-hmm. that what's interesting to me is if J.D. McKissick starts to get back in, or either of them, you know, I, yep. I, does Antonio Gibson look like Antonio Gibson at the beginning where there was really next to no yep. value? Well, and this was not, I don't think they're going to play this way going forward because when you talk about, what was this, 40 carries between Gibson and Brian <laughs> Robinson? 49 rushing attempts last night. Yeah. 49. And yeah. this was all about being able to keep Control the Philadelphia the ball, Eagles right. off, keep the field, off the field. Right. Right. And by the way, this is like And it such, worked. It worked. Yeah. We always talk about this, like every team playing the Chiefs, run the ball, keep Patrick Mahomes off the field. Now with the Eagles, same thing. Bill, same thing. It rarely works. So just a hat tip to the commanders for doing it. It worked. It actually Opportunistic. Worked. They won the turnover battle decisively. Yep. That's how you win these kind Not of games. Not only did they look great, but Terry McLaurin looked great for once, I feel like. Oh, I was stoked yeah. to see Terry McLaurin awesome. out You know what, though? I'm starting to buy this being more and more real. Like that, like we've seen guys like TJ Moore, who we're talking about, have like, you know, Bounce back games. Yep. Terry, I'm starting to convince. I'm starting to be convinced. The quarterback. That, like, that's it. The quarterback. I think yeah. it's the quarterback. I mean, part of Terry McLaurin looking so good is who's throwing to him. And I'm starting to wonder oh, he, if it's he's not, not losing the job. He's not, he's not going anywhere. Right. Tell me. Carson that, Wentz is, is eligible to return today to right, practice. They exactly. Don't have practice obviously today, but. Just, it's got to be how, Heineke's job going forward. How can you, can't. You, 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 can't you can't take it away from him? No now. way. You, can't. you just can't. I mean, beyond the fact that he's been objectively better as a performer, the way the guys gravitate towards him in that uh, locker room. You, you can see the difference. You can see, you can see so the difference obvious. in the way that they're playing as a team. Like it just. So I think the yeah. quarterback is the driving factor. I also think I, I just see a bit more dialed up in design for Terry McLaurin. And, you know, I, I tweeted about this this morning is that like amazing player, special mm-hmm. human, Terry McLaurin, like short list of just best, most valuable players to their, to their specific team in the NFL. And he's just so freaking good. Like every route he runs, it's like snapping off a defender's ankle. And he's just, as long as I keep this model going, I have all the confidence in the world that Terry McLaurin will remain a player that's going to help you win fantasy weeks every single week. He's just that good. There's, there's, it made no sense to me how his production could have dipped so dramatically early on in the season. I believe this is here to stay feel really good about Terry McLaurin the rest of the way. I think really good. I think it's, and we should be quick, but I think it's production dipped because they wanted to use Curtis Samuel more. And I think lately they've been using Curtis Samuel a little bit less and using Terry McLaurin a little bit more. And I really do think that that is at least a part of it because all the things that we saw from Curtis Samuel early in the season about who he was, it's just not really that same wide receiver for you anymore. He's still getting some yeah, looks. I, I, and I was going to say when he did, when he, getting some he, looks, yeah. but but when he had the, the ball in his hands last night, I thought, the the two catches that he had, he did really well with it, yep. and he 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 got what he needed to do for the team. But he's not Terry McLaurin. He's not going to have that speed. And Terry McLaurin's ability to get open part of the route running that Fields talking about is just different. It's next level. Very different. 
Very different. All right, we're going to come back and talk about some role shakeups in a minute. What you should be doing with a couple of running backs. But first, Stefania Bell, since I know that you are always on top of things and ready to go when it comes to live <laughs> reads, I thought maybe we would start with you. Did that work? Was that long enough? Geico asks, yes. how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Would love it. Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance and more. And Geico is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to geico.com or contact your local agent today. Football season bring backs, brings back many traditions that we know and love. The pick six, game-winning field goals, touchdown dances. Check out yesterday's YouTube stream if you want to see how to properly celebrate a score, by the way. And watching it all with friends and a cooler full of Miller Lite. The action on the field is reliable year after year. So why not pair it with the most reliable light beer? Every Sunday, game time is Miller time. Mm. Kickoff time, halftime, it's all Miller time. Miller time means good friends, great beer, and football all Sunday long. <laughs> so what's not to like? Miller Lite checks all the boxes you could ask for, and that's why since 1975, it's been a mainstay in the stadium, at the tailgate, and in your fridge. No matter how your team plays, it's the beer that's always a winner. It's the Beer Drinker's Light Beer with only 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12-ounce serving. Your only concern is the next third down conversion or maybe your next touchdown dance if your name isn't Jamal Williams. Hey, now. Football season brings back the big hits, so reach for the biggest hit of them all. Miller Lite. You can find Miller Lite pretty much everywhere beer is sold or go to MillerLite.com slash FFF for delivery options near you. It's Miller time. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12-ounce servings. I'm going to give you a B. What are you going to do, guys? You know what I do? B? I'd take a B. I would take I a mean, B. I mean, that was an average I mean, student. Dory, oh, he gosh. was giving me the business for uh, being ready. And you, then he comes out of the game. The business. I, I filibuster <laughs> for you. You had to guess. Was what was Stefania's GPA? Just guess. No. No, 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 because you'd be wrong. Quite a bit lower than what I would. I think we all would think. <laughs> wow, really? Yeah. yeah. It actually, he's right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a 385. Yeah, like, yeah, hey, like a 385. Because all that matters is that you get the diploma. Well, so I have a funny story with my GPA. So I went to Wesley and right around the corner from here, probably a school that like I maybe like slid to the cracks a little bit during the admissions process. But Whatever. my GPA, I, I, I was a, a TA uh, on a couple of different semesters in a couple of different classes, uh, over, which is but it was one of those. I had a professor a guy named Steven Stemler, wonderful human, great guy, my favorite professor at Wesleyan, who was great to me and loved sports. We had a lot, you know, lot in common beyond what we were talking about in the classroom. He asked me to be a TA on a couple of occasions. And I think as a TA, like basically the grade was either A or F. Like you either did a sufficient job or you didn't. <laughs> Uh-oh. Huge for the GPA. Oh, Huge. Yeah. Oh. We, didn't, we didn't have things like that. Yeah. We, oh. Yeah. Right, you had, you like, had to earn we, your A's. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like, exactly. Mine was like, <laughs> did I show up to the class and like get the grading stuff that I needed to do and like make sure right. that I answered the questions for students during office hours. Did you do all the photocopies right? yeah. and the scantrons <laughs> and all that stuff, right? Meanwhile, Stefania is having to like write like a, you know, like a that. dissertation yeah. in like, you know, like whatever, like French. Seriously, you have to... You have to write a thesis to graduate from Princeton. It's actually a deterrent for some people. They don't want to go there, so they want to write a thesis. My thesis is I don't want to start any Chiefs running back right now. Yeah. How's <laughs> that? Write a thesis? That's okay. I'd, write yeah. a, I'd write a business plan. I'd write a 75-page business plan How'd that work to out? graduate. I had a 3.98 GPA when I graduated, oh, hey. so that wasn't too bad. Not I was a valedictorian in my graduation. That's right. We Let's know talk that. about we the Chiefs' backfield. We talked about it on the show that's before. that's what really matters valedictorian. here. Valedictorian. No big deal. Full sale you. 
All right. Here's a big, huge question. <laughs> huge <laughs> question. Okay. This Chiefs backfield yeah, used to something. belong to Clyde Edwards-Alaire. And this week, here's the snap count. Isaiah Pacheco, 35. Jarek McKinnon, 23. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, 4. Yeah. J.J. Lagarde. So this was, and I, I don't like victory lapping because there's too much fun in our industry, but just we at the beginning of the season, all of us, I think everybody who played fantasy football urged you that if you have Clyde Edwards-Alaire, you need to consider trading high right now because it was the most obvious eventual regression and it already happened. It's happened already. Over the past couple of weeks, Clyde Edwards-Elaire, past two games, I think has a total of five rushing yards, four rushes for five uh, yards last week. As you mentioned, zero yes. touches this past week for Clyde Edwards-Elaire. Now, did I expect that Clyde Edwards-Elaire would eventually become a literal non-factor for the Chiefs? No, but he's an inefficient runner, low-volume pass catcher. He, he got more work at the goal line this year, but this is not Derrick Henry and body stature. All the signs are pointing that this was eventually going to fizzle out. And it fills it out in such a rapid way this past That's week that it's it's just off don't you a think cliff. this is and this yeah this seems to be a real thing like if you're the Chiefs Mike Clay test, warned us about it but I test when you compare the runs from Clyde Edwards-Helaire this year to the runs from Isaiah Pacheco on Sunday which one looks better not even close not even close here's the question then like to put our money where the mouth is where our mouths are. CEH is rostered in 86% of leagues. Isaiah Pacheco is rostered in 24% of leagues. If you are a CEH manager, Isaiah Pacheco is out there. I am dropping CEH. I am picking up Isaiah Pacheco because I'm going to roster one Chiefs running back. For me, it's Isaiah Pacheco for the rest of the season. Field, where are you at on this? I can make a case for Jarek McKinnon. Oh, They like Jarek McKinnon in the red zone. And you have to remember that he was pretty banged up coming into this game. He's got, you know, so I, I think that some of his utilization may have been impacted by that because he hasn't been totally healthy. But if you Just, look at how the strategy of how they use McKinnon, there's a reason he's getting scores. All right, just, Trader. Just, just pulling this side? up here. Let no, me just pull this not, up here real quick. I'm not on a side. I'm not on any side because you know what? I haven't loved having any Kansas City run, but like I didn't want any part of Kansas City's backfield at all because yeah. I felt like it was going to be switching around and I didn't at the beginning we didn't know how much it would be Jerk you McKinnon versus Edward Zolaire and yeah. there was no Pacheco of any you know value to speak of. And now it's kind of rotated the word. You can Pacheco be on my is. side. No. If well, you're not, so you got to pick one. I'll I'll break down why I believe Jarek McKinnon might be the running back that you want to roster. And I think if I had to make a choice right now, I would is because Isaiah Pacheco going to my forecast for the rest of the season is Isaiah Pacheco is the guy that gets the rushing opportunities, the hammerhead back if you will, like Brian Robinson. My guess is that he will also be a virtual non-factor in the passing game like Brian Robinson. You know why? Because he had zero catches this past yeah. week. He has a total of three catches this entire season. Yep. Meanwhile, Jarek McKinnon has back-to-back -back games up over 10 fantasy points. Neither CEH nor Isaiah Pacheco have 10 fantasy points in any of the past five games for the Chiefs. Jarek McKinnon played 23 snaps this past weekend and had six catches for 56 yards. I know the Chiefs were down a couple of wide receivers, Juju, for most of the game and MVS for part of the game because he had a brief moment where he was uh, evaluated for a head injury. Maybe that impacted things a little bit, but he's going to be the guy on the field when the Chiefs go up tempo, when they're on third down, passing situations. He's an outstanding pass protection uh, running yep. back as well. This is the guy that 
This is what Kyle Shanahan. I was just about to say, there's a reason Andy Reid saw what they could do with him because he was meant to be in the Kyle Shanahan office. That's what they wanted. And then he ended up with the injury and the subsequent year when he was supposed to come back, he wasn't able to play. So he moves on from San Francisco to Kansas City. And now you're seeing the role that Jarek McKinnon was originally going to have in San Francisco. Like it doesn't take much. Like Isaiah Pacheco on Sunday had 16 rushes for 76 yards and 35 snaps. On 12 fewer snaps, Jarek McKinnon had six catches, 56 yards. That's 12.6 fantasy points. So five more than Isaiah Pacheco. Now, is he going to get six catches on 22 snaps every week? Probably not. But if he gets you four catches per week and those four catches come in close to 80 yards, that means Isaiah Pacheco is going to either have to outdo the rushing total of 80 or find the end zone. And I think I'll take my chances with Jarek McKinnon. At a minimum, if you roster CEH, you should drop him for one of these two running backs, whichever one you feel most convicted about. I say Isaiah Pacheco has more fantasy points at the end of the season from week 11 on than Jarek McKinnon does. And I say Jarek McKinnon has more fantasy points at the end of the season from week 11 on than Isaiah Pacheco. Put Put it on on the board. board. Put it on the board. By the way, um, Yes, I agree that like if you're hunting for a back, you should go consider one of those two over CEH. But just in general, like if you need to replace Cooper Cup or if, like CEH is a droppable player right oh, now. Oh, very droppable. Just a bummer. Yep. It's a bummer. Yep. Stefania, let's talk about some running backs that you used to be acquainted with now playing in Miami because yeah. both Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert have looked fantastic. We talked about how this was going to be a running back by committee. We are now two weeks into it. And while it does still look like a committee, the committee is led by Jeff Wilson Jr. Yeah, and I think people are, you know, surprised, concerned, whatever the word is that you want to use. But I also need to remind you that Raheem Mostert was dealing with some soreness in his knee and they backed off of him, I think, as Jeff Wilson got there. I think people are surprised by how quickly this happened. But you got to remember, Jeff Wilson Jr. knew Mike McDaniel. He knew he was going to be a good fit, and he could plug him in right away. He's familiar with the offense, and they brought him in to do exactly what he was doing in San Francisco before San Francisco brought over Christian McCaffrey. So uh, what does it mean going forward? I, I think it's probably going to be a more even split than what we saw. It does gonna, I, I think it is going to ding Raheem Mostert's value a tiny bit because Raheem Mostert was carrying so much more work than Chase Edmonds, who they eventually um, got rid of. But I don't think Raheem Mostert's value is so low that you're looking to move him. Like, I think he still holds value. He just maybe isn't going to get you what he was. So I I talked about this a bit on Sunday night show, and I I think this is the rare backfield where both guys, I think the skill set is fairly similar in turn, like I don't think either one of them is an elite, elite pass catcher. Both of them are very functional pass functional. catchers. Yeah. Both of them very hard charging runners. Mostert has better speed. Wilson maybe has a little bit better sort of between the tackle um, power and wiggle. Both of those guys are going to have plenty of opportunities. This is like 55-45 split right now. And along those lines, I, I use the analog and said not quite the same thing, but just the idea that in previous years, you could start both Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt and expect that both of them could find a way into the top 25. Not that Nick Chubb is the same as Jeff Wilson Jr., who's now the lead back. Chubb, obviously, a superior player and fantasy asset. But I think both of those players can be utilized in lineups, and you can reasonably expect that your payoff will be positive, right? Yes. So it's... Yep. It's 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 a good problem for Miami to create for us, but it's this is not like again, like I think in Washington there's more risk. Um, right. or other places where their committees, there is more risk in multiple backs having the same Denver, for example. Like Denver, stay away. Kansas City, I'm not totally convinced you have to start anybody there. 
Miami, I think both of them are justifiable top 25 and plays, any, especially with bye weeks. Any week, like the upside with Raheem Moser, he has such incredible breakaway speed. The upside is one play that he gets out to the perimeter and runs, and all of a sudden you have double-digit fantasy points from him. Um, I agree with your assessment, Jeff Wilson, more between the tackles runner. You're going to get more volume from him, but Raheem Mostert, always a threat to make a big play. We've seen that he's recovered his speed 100% and then some from the, the injury that he had before this year. Quick reminder about these Dolphins. They are on a bye this week. Then they get Houston, San Francisco, and the Chargers. And the Houston, Houston both San Francisco's going to be fun. Man, gonna that game's going to be fun because be it's going to be like the, the, match, the match of Shanahan yeah. McDaniel. It's That'll be, be fun. fun. Speaking of the San Francisco 49ers, Stefania, let's yeah. talk about CMC and Elijah Mitchell here I'm real quick. I'm happy to do that. Is, is Christian McCaffrey <laughs> in a running back by committee now with Elijah Mitchell? Who cares? Uh, because the thing is... Well, we do. You I, don't. I, we I, do. I, I, no. yeah. 49ers fans do not. Those of us who play fantasy football very I much very do. Much yeah. Well, you you do, but uh, like, so let me ask you this. Are you going to bench Christian McCaffrey because you think now he's in a time split? And I, here's nope. the other thing. I think it's going to be week to week. I think what we saw this... And Kyle Shanahan even said this was the plan for Elijah Mitchell this week. They wanted to get him about half the touches, okay? Part of that, I think, was to get him in a groove coming off the MCL injury. We saw two things. We saw that he is totally recovered from that. He looked fantastic running. And maybe to get him feel for what he could do being on the field. Uh, and obviously, Christian McCaffrey had a huge workload the week before. And maybe maybe they thought the Chargers aren't going to expect that they're going to see as much of Elijah Mitchell. Uh, the Chargers handled the 49ers pretty well, I have to say, defensively, regardless of that. But I think this could revert right back. And uh, next week, you see a totally different display from Christian McCaffrey. So I think yeah. it could be game situation dependent. Kyle Shanahan is always mixing up what he does on offense. Um, if I were going with consistency and value, the number one is going to be Christian McCaffrey for me. Yeah, for sure on that part. And I think that Elijah Mitchell, maybe we thought he would be a non-factor for fantasy. He might have some especially non-PPR value as like a deeper league flex. Uh, and here we go. Mike Clay with the numbers specifically. Elijah Mitchell outcarried Christian game McCaffrey 18-14 to 14 last night. Though game script was a factor in, the, in a game in which the 49ers ran it 32 times. CMC handled 11 of the first 16 carries. Mitchell handled 13 of the final 16 carries. I would note, like, this game was never out of hand, right? It's not like this was a game where Elijah Mitchell mopped up because they were up 20 points in the fourth quarter. It was close throughout. As a matter of fact, San Francisco had to dig themselves out of an early early hole, I should say. So I think Mitchell is an incredibly valuable insurance policy. Hard to know that he for sure has standalone value. He only played 35% of the snaps, so I think he's probably a reach to have standalone value in PPR leagues. I think what it means for Christian McCaffrey is that, you know, the the likelihood of him getting so scorched earth hot Mm -hmm. that he carries your team either to the playoffs or carries your team through the playoffs, like we have seen him in the past, has gone down a little bit, right? I, I still have him as like RB6 this week, but... Remember, we're talking about a player who, for two years, the easiest part of our rankings was Christian McCaffrey, RB1. And we also know that the Panthers overutilized him, in my opinion, because he was on the field too much, touching the ball too much. And if the 49ers have been anything, it's snake-bitten by injuries, especially at the running back position. So if they're going to be smart, they're going to balance the workload. And then what that does for fantasy purposes, I understand people are like, hey, we want more McCaffrey, because anytime he touches the ball, he's a threat. He'll be the bigger pass catcher of the running backs. And But I do think it's going to depend on where they are, uh, what the game script is, 
And, you know, they're, the 49ers made a move to get Christian McCaffrey so they could play deep into the postseason. I, I think that they're going to want to protect him to some degree. Everything you're saying, completely accurate. This is me, the selfish fantasy football That's, guy, that yeah. is saying, like, yeah. from a pure fantasy football standpoint, the likelihood of him every single week handling 20 to 25 opportunities and maybe scoring 20 to 25 or even 30 fantasy points is slightly lower given the involvement of Elijah. I hear you, but I guess my question is, that doesn't change anything for anybody who no, has I'm on just their saying, roster, I'm just right? saying that, you know, right, the, from RB1 to RB5 or 6, right? Yeah. That may be where yeah. it is. So, it just like, and if running you thought that Christian McCaffrey bad. could carry you from, you know, December 1st until the end of the regular so, but, fantasy But you playoff. can't action anything off that, right? No, no, I'm just, I'm, I'm oh. merely setting people up for like this. I did not expect Elijah Mitchell to play as much as he did. And I thought that, I thought it was notable. And I would say that my own forecast for Christian McCaffrey has been slightly altered as a result of it. Fair. But I'm not going to do anything. I mean, I'm still starting him every single week. It's just, you know, right. I, I have him in a league and I was like, all right, well, like that could be the engine of my fantasy playoff charge and maybe it's a slightly less likely thing yes. to happen. A little four-cylinder rather than a big old V8. <laughs> just as like what a do you Ford. have on your bike? Uh, my bike is just it's a 1200. Yeah. Just yeah. 1200? Yeah. So I don't know like, like what that means, I but don't know. I take your word on it's it. It's our third running back. That's, yeah. <laughs> All right, let's talk okay. week 11 in or out. Okay. By the way, I get Rip my through. bike insurance through Geico. Shout out to them. <laughs> we will talk about a couple of wide receivers here. Wide receivers on bye. Unfortunately, it hurts my heart. Oof. Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle. Love both of them. That stinks. T- uh, Tyler Lockett <laughs> and DK Metcalf. That's tough. Yeah. So seven good wide receivers. Mike yeah. Evans uh, yeah. and Chris Godwin. That one really hurts. Yeah. And Christian Kirk. Christian Kirk. Seven is really good tough. wide That's receivers a lot out. Of good wide receivers yeah. out. So let's look at a couple of guys. We may be in or out on this week. We're going to start in Kansas City, where yep. Kadarius Tony takes on the L.A. Rams. Chargers. Chargers. Sorry. He takes on the Chargers. Yep. Sunday, Sunday night football. Chargers. Sunday night yep. football. And when you look at this. Stefania, he, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster left this game early with a concussion. Concussion, right. So, of course, we're not going to know much about his status till it gets to be later in the week. So we're going to look at Kadarius Toney and Marquez Valdez-Sanlin and these guys. But I think I'm in with what I saw from Kadarius Toney. He looked explosive. And Patrick Mahomes should want to find ways to put the ball in this kid's hands. If he's not on my roster and he's available on waivers, which we may talk about in a minute with Eric Moody, I'm going out and grabbing him. I'm in on Kadarius Toney this week. He had six opportunities this past week. Did Kadarius Tony in a very limited role uh, played, I think less than half the snaps again for the Chiefs. So the in argument is that a, he's incredible with the football in his hands plays with Patrick Mahomes. And you would think that every week that we get further into the season, his role would grow, right? I mean, he's still yep. learning the play the playbook and the nuances. The out argument would be, and if you see his projection this week, it is low via Mike Clay. It's that again, he still played less than 50% of the snaps. If Juju Smith-Schuster is available, who knows what his role looks like. But following the Juju injury, it wasn't like Kadarius Tony all of a sudden became a full-time player. We had Michael Hardman out. Yep. So we don't know yep. that with an abdominal yep. injury. We don't know if he comes back. We don't know Juju's status. So I, to your point, I'm well, not automatically assuming Kadarius Tony is going to be dominant. And actually what happened was Justin Watson played the Juju role the rest of the way. Justin Watson had three routes run before Juju's injury. He actually led the team with 17 after Juju's injury. Tony only ran nine routes after Juju got hurt. So um, it's not like Kadarius Tony became the Juju replacement in terms of role, but he's way too talented, way too tantalizing, and his quarterback is good enough. He's pretty good, I think. Mm, uh, that I heard of him. absolutely must be added in all leagues. And if that role continues to grow, this could be To me, he feels super, like the big play threat. Yeah, right? well, he could be. To me, he's like super discount version of Debo Samuel late last season. Yes. Where every Ooh. time he touches the ball, you're like, something crazy could happen. 
But every he, single time. We just have no proof of volume on Kadarius Tony because right. he's been uh, he was not able to stay on the field for the Giants. There were issues there, and he did scare you when he single hopped it into the end zone because it looked to me like. Oh my God, what did he pull? Another hamstring injury. He's, He's just, just trying to off. stay in bounds. Yeah. And show it's off, all so. tantalizing upside in a superstar quarterback with Kadarius Tony. Unlike Paris Campbell, where it's not about tantalizing upside in a superstar quarterback. Like this is a guy. But he keeps getting he targets. He keeps getting targets keeps with Matt Ryan yeah, under good, center. Yeah. Are you in or out on, on Paris Campbell here this week with Matt Ryan as his quarterback? I think again? it's been too consistent to ignore. You know, he's getting targets. He gets into the end zone. I, it, how can you ignore it? And Matt Ryan looks rejuvenated. I mean, coming back from the injury, you know, rushing for 39 yards even or something like that. I think Matt Ryan, if he stays under center, I am encouraged by Paris Campbell. Over 18 and a half fantasy points in each of his last three games with Matt Ryan under center. That's pretty good for Paris yeah, Campbell. Yeah, the new rejuvenated Colts. What about Rondell Moore? Jeff Saturday. This one's easy. Colts. Yeah, uh, Rondell Moore, easy one. 31 targets over his past three games. That's 10.3 <laughs> per game. That's high. Unbelievable with the ball yeah. in his hands. This one is way too simple. Pretty much, I mean, a huge part of their offense is stuff at or near the line of scrimmage. Rondell Moore, electric, slippery, 100% needs to be considered in lineups every single week. I have him as top 20 play this week, even against you. the 49ers in Estadio Azteca yeah, in Mexico Estadio City. Azteca. And we talked about Noah Zach Ertz right now, so who knows how that potentially is going to yeah. change things. Yeah, well. and Hollywood Brown, again, when he returns, will recalibrate expectations for totally. those three wide receivers, but until then, and absolutely that, in on the run. It's a tough injury for Hollywood Brown to come back from, so... Yeah, there was uh, yeah, missed the whole yeah, year, yeah, right? Yeah, so. and I, so I, nothing automatic there. I like Rondell Moore a lot. All right, because our producers love to be able to do this to me, we're going to talk about one more wide receiver, and they're taking on the Detroit Lions. It's Darius Slayton. <laughs> in, Are you in take or on the out? Lions? <laughs> See, this is the thing. Is it just because they have the Lions that they're in? Darius Slayton, though, 11.5 fantasy points in three straight games. The Lions, they've been able to be, be, be taken advantage of deep. Now, Jeff Okuda has looked a little bit better lately. He's gone through some ups and downs, but I think I'm actually out on Darius Slayton. Yeah. I, like he is a lower, lower end flex play for me just with the way that the, I love Daniel Jones, but I love him because of the way he utilizes his legs. Not because I think that Darius Slayton's going to have a hundred yards and a touchdown. And now that I said it, he, spoke well, into existence you know, for this he week. probably will against lines, but let uh, me just get this. I thought I had it memorized and I don't, the number of catches that we're talking about for Darius Slayton, three, five, three. Yeah, so, it's a, yeah. you know, it, I it guess it depends on, you know, it's, it's, he's a big play threat cause he's very fast, but you're, I think we, we, we can chase, a Paris I can Campbell and others where right. you can other places. I think the only consistent player for them is Saquon Barkley. And beyond that, it's roll the dice. Whoa, hold on, Stefania. That's a huge limb. Please step back towards safety. <laughs> I said consistent. Oh, okay, okay. All right, all right. Consistent. All right, you, t- you tell, is there a consistent receiver that you no. trust on the Giants? No. Absolutely okay. not. I, so you actually, don't disagree all of them me. are consistent. They're all consistently bad. So the answer is yes, I guess. All right, now time for the Little Caesars preview, which is brought to you by Little Caesars. It's game day with Little Caesars, the official pizza sponsor of the NFL. Pizza, pizza. Pizza, pizza. Pizza, pizza. Uh, Thursday night football, we have Dave Presley's Titans going to Kyle Soppy's Packers. Titans are 6-1 and one in their past seven games. What I have my eye on, can Aaron Rodgers do it again? Because this Titans secondary can be had. Rodgers coming off of his best game of the season, of course, with three touchdown passes to Christian Watson alone. Titans secondary inexperienced, dealt with some injuries. This Packers offense kind of feeling itself a little bit, playing on a short week, of course. At home, though, Aaron Rodgers, outside my top 10 for quarterbacks, but an interesting consideration. On Sunday Night Football, we have the Chiefs and the Chargers that we just mentioned, and here's what I have my eyes on. Will this be the fully loaded Los Angeles Chargers? Keenan and Allen and Mike Williams 
both expected to return to practice this week. If I've learned one thing with the Chargers, it's to not count on anything until the game has actually begun. So we'll see whether practice participation means game participation for both or either Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. That game becomes a lot more balanced if those two players are available. And then Monday night football. We just told you it's in Mexico City. Stefania's 49ers are playing the Arizona Cardinals. And I just, you know, we talked, we had the conversation a moment ago about Christian McCaffrey and this backfield. Is it going to be a day where Christian McCaffrey once again seeds 18 rushes to Elijah Mitchell? Or is it going to be a day in which Christian McCaffrey goes off like he did two games ago when he had a passing, rushing, and receiving touchdown? That backfield in San Francisco, certainly one to keep an eye on. Before we come back with Eric Moody, I have a question for you guys. Yeah. yeah. Are you wasting money on subscriptions? I don't know. How do okay. I know? Well, 80% of people have subscriptions they forget about. Maybe it's free. Maybe it's like your unused Amazon Prime account, Hulu oh. account that never gets streamed. There's this great app that helps me keep track of all my expenses. And because of it, I no longer waste money on subscriptions I don't even use. You might have heard of it. It's called Rocket Money, formerly known as Truebill. The app shows all of your subscriptions in one place and then cancels for you whatever you don't still want. Rocket Money can even find subscriptions you didn't know you were paying for. You may even find out you've been double charged for a subscription. To cancel a subscription, all you have to do is press cancel, and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Get rid of useless subscriptions with Rocket Money now. Go to rocketmoney.com slash FFF. Seriously, it could save you hundreds per year. That's rocketmoney.com slash FFF. Cancel your unnecessary subscriptions at rocketmoney.com slash FFF. It is the best time of the year. Football season is in full swing. Basketball and hockey have returned and literally nothing beats seeing your favorite team live. So make up for lost time and go out and enjoy a game. Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $10 off your first $100 ticket purchase with code FFF. That's right, code FFF. F for $100 for $10 off your first $100 ticket purchase. Download the app or visit vividseats.com today. Vivid Seats. Life happens live. All right, and we are back with our good friend Eric Moody. Eric, it is so great to see you today. Hey, what were you listening to before you came on the show? I know you're a big music guy. I always want to know where you're at from a music perspective. Yeah, you know, for some reason, Doc, this morning, I was kind of in the mood to listening to some music like from the from the 80s. So I was actually listening to uh, Berlin uh, this Berlin. morning while I was doing some things. All right. A little Take My Breath Away. That's yeah. the only song by Berlin that I know. I just want to say really quickly, I was a little taken aback by the fact mm. that if there was one song that the entire country of Germany happened to know from America, it was John Denver. I was a little surprised by that. If I could have picked one, I think it probably would have yeah. been a Tom Petty song. Uh, but, you know, love being able to see music get shared wherever there is music and football. So we're stoked about that. <laughs> Let's talk about week 11 waivers here. We got a handful of quarterbacks on the on by this week. Tua Tungavailoa, Geno Smith, Tom Brady, and Trevor Lawrence all on by this week. So if there was one quarterback that you were going to target off of the waiver wire, which direction are you going? Well, the first name that comes to mind is Jimmy Garoppolo. Got to go with Jimmy G here. You look at look at Garoppolo. Like he scored 16 or more fantasy points in every single game this season. If we were to dive deeper, he's got multiple touchdown passes or a rushing touchdown in six out of eight games this season. 
He's in the Kyle Shanahan-led offense, great offensive mind. You know, you were talking earlier uh, with Fields and Stefania about Christian McCaffrey. He's got him to throw to, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, and George Kittle. And due to the 49ers' heavy reliance on the running game, he does give fantasy managers a high floor, but because they lean so much on the running game, he doesn't have a high – or he, does, he has a low ceiling, I would say. Sure. But still, you look at this matchup. So week 11, going up against the Cardinals. This is a team that's allowing nearly 20 fantasy points per game to quarterback. So I do like uh, Garoppolo this week. Yeah, absolutely. And you love the matchup from that standpoint. Hopefully CMC gets involved on the ground, breaks a couple big ones. We watch Brandon Ayuk be really involved in that passing game. We got to find a way to get Debo Samuel more involved with Jimmy Garoppolo, though, Eric. Like That's just yes. got to happen for us, right? We need that as fantasy managers. Yes. If you cannot get Jimmy Garoppolo or if he's not out there, is there another quarterback that you want to target? Just, I need someone off the streaming radar. Well, I'm going to go with your uh, Detroit Lions quarterback, uh, Jared Goff here, who's, what? I would say, another excellent quarterback who's going to give you a very high floor. I'm like, he's averaged 16 fantasy points per game this season. Now, if you look at uh, Goff, like he's completed 73% or more of his passes in three or four games since their bye week uh, back in week six. He also has multiple games this year, four to be exact, with uh, multiple touchdown passes. But from a film perspective on Sunday, I really like what I saw from Goff. It wasn't necessarily reflected in the uh, in his fantasy point total, but the Lions running game was, was struggling. They had to lean more on Goff. He completed some nice passes in very tight windows had very good pocket awareness and presence, and he really led that team when he needed to in the fourth quarter to get the win. And so I would say you look at Jared Goff going up against the Giants defense in Week 11. This is a defense that's allowed 16 fantasy points per game, exactly what Goff is averaging. So if you need a player with the high floor, look no further than the Detroit Lions' very own and your team, Jared Goff. See, Eric, this is, where, this is where I like having you on the show so much more because everyone else here in the show, they make fun of me because of the Lions matchup, but you embrace it. This is why we love having you on Tuesdays. Also, he just needs to it. throw the ball to Amon Ross St. Brown like every single time. 40% target share and Jared Goff will be good from that standpoint. All right, let's talk about some that. running backs here. I'm by this week. We've got Ken Walker the third, Travis Etienne, Leonard Fournette, and the Miami Dolphins, so that's Jeff Wilson Jr. and Raheem Mostert. If you were going to grab someone off of waivers, I noticed the name you're going to throw out here is actually on bye as well. But tell me why you like yeah. Rashad White this week. Yeah, I, I feel like I'm a kid in a candy store with my excitement for Rashad White. Even though, to your point, Dot, they are on a bye this week you know, for Tampa Bay. So let, let's talk about what happened. So he had White. He started over Leonard Fournette against the Seahawks on Sunday in Germany. Fournette left the game, had the hip injury, so you had White. He had the backfield all to himself. He, he played 20 out of a possible 25 snaps. Finished the game with 105 rushing yards on 22 attempts. So he made history. He was the first Buccaneers rookie since Bobby Rainey in 2013 to have 100 rushing yards in a game. Furthermore, he was exceptional with yards after contact. I know everyone's like Gugu and, and Gaon over the stiff arm, which it was impressive, but he had 48 yards after contact. That's the most by a Buccaneers rusher this season. And so I know our very own Adam Schefter reported that Fournette will return after their bye week. So here's how I'm approaching week 12. They play the Browns that week. So if Fournette is available and active, I believe White is going to lead this committee in Tampa Bay. And I'm viewing him as a low-end RB2 flex with upside. But if we're in the scenario where Fournette is ruled out, I'm looking at White as a potential RB1. And so if your team is well-positioned for the playoffs, 
I would prioritize Rashad White this week. I think he could be a difference maker for many fantasy football teams out there. Wow. All right. Love that. And obviously got a ton of usage. Everything that you said, you love to be able to see him be able to get involved. And one of the things that we were worried about is Tom Brady and rookie running backs, right? We've talked about how there's this narrative around it. Love to see what he did last week. If you are not looking for someone for the future, maybe you need someone to help you out this week, or maybe Rashad Weiss just not available. Is there another running back off the waiver wire that you like here in week 11? Yes, I do. Isaiah Pacheco. So I know I wrote about him in the waiver wire column a couple of weeks ago to kind of stash. He continues to get usage. Played 55% of the snaps um, against the Jaguars on Sunday. Uh, He ended up finishing with 82 rushing yards on 16 attempts. And so you, you kind of hate to see it, but Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is, is, is droppable, I would say, yep. like at this point. Because you look at, I'm like, you look at um, uh, Jarrett McKinnon. I was thinking about the name, pitching space. <laughs> I'm like, he ended up playing a, like a high percentage of the third down uh, snaps for Kansas City. And so he's kind of filling that role. And so you're looking at Edwards-Hilaire as the odd man out, so to speak. But looking at Mike Clay's uh, strength of schedule matrix, uh, the Chiefs have a very favorable for the rest of the season so if you're a fantasy manager you know and you need a running back you should be salivating because that schedule is very very favorable so week 11 pacheco i would start him as a flex option with upside against the chargers defense they're allowing 27.4 uh fantasy points per game to opposing running backs heck yeah we'll see how that works out feel and i have a board betting for pacheco against uh isaiah pacheco <laughs> and jarek mckinnon so we'll see how that works out be excited about that one. All right, let's talk wide receivers here really quickly. Wide receivers on bye this week. Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddle, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Christian Kirk. Field said it earlier, seven starting wide receivers on bye this week. So if you're going to go out and you're going to grab one person that maybe you could use here in week 11, who do you like, Eric Moody? So you're going to give me one one person I need to pick up. Just yeah. one, that's it? Just, Just only one, guy. one. Just right All now. Right, one guy. You get one. So if it's, if it's one guy, you got to go with Christian Watson. You know, okay. from, from what we saw, uh, you know, with the Packers, it, it, it was great to see, especially considering how his season started. So no Romeo Dobbs. He's out with a high ankle sprain probably the next four to six weeks. But you look at Watson, 32.7 fantasy points on Sunday, became just a six rookie in the past 20 seasons with 100 receiving yards and three touchdowns and three receiving touchdowns in the game. So he made history, had a season high, eight targets, played 84% of the snaps. He even had an average depth of target of 20.5 yards. And really the stage is set, Doc, for looking at Watson to become a fantasy superstar, really for the rest of the season, Uh in my opinion. Great flex option in week 11, going up against the Titans defense that's giving up the second most passing yards per game. So go ahead and add Watson to lineups and prioritize him on the waiver wire this week if you need a wide receiver. All right, and if you can't get Watson, I really like Kadarius Tony. I talked him up a little bit earlier on in the show with all the excitement that he is. How do you feel yeah. about Tony in this Chiefs offense? No, I really like Tony. Uh, you know, I did hear um, you know the crew kind of talking about him um, earlier, and so I'm like, he had what six uh, six touches for 90 yards and a touchdown. A very impressive performance. One thing I really liked about uh, Tony is that. On that touchdown reception, he had 20.4 yards of separation, according to NFL next-gen stats. That's the greatest separation of any passing score since next-gen began tracking in 2016. A lot of uncertainty with Juju Smith-Schuster on that vicious hit that he took. He's in a concussion protocol. But I know Stefania kind of mentioned this uh, when when everyone was talking with Field and yourself. And so the wide receiver position in Kansas City is, I guess, heavily rotated. But I look at it this way. You're not going to trade for Kadarius Toney if you're not going to have him actively involved. And I think week in and week out, his involvement is going to continue to grow. And I'm viewing him as a flex option with upside against the Chargers this week. 
Yeah, I like him as a flex option as well. That leads perfectly into what tomorrow's show is going to be. Eric, we are going to break down everything that is rankings here for week 11. Thank you so much for coming and hanging out with us, giving us all these names for the week 11 waiver wire. Make sure that you follow Eric on Twitter at Eric N. Moody. For Eric Field Stefania, my name is Daniel. We love you guys. Be kind to yourself. We can't wait to see you tomorrow. We'll see you then. No secret, not a mystery. The one that we depend on for all our podcast needs. Graduate, full sell you, Alliance fan through and through. With the hippest beard, I'm telling you.